Hello and welcome to the week four edition of Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Zamini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. Thanks for listening to Flight Deck. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe. Well, the Jets are 0-3 for the third straight year, and that's the first time that's happened in franchise history. A brutal 26-0 loss to the Broncos. And now they have another, another tough opponent Sunday at MedLife, the 2-1 Titan. Well, we're trying something different this week. We have multiple guests. I talk about the current Jets with some former Jets, including Joe Namath. I went to Joe's charity golf outing at the Glen Oaks Country Club on Long Island, and I caught up with some Jet alums, some funny stories, but the main topic of conversation was Zach Wilson, which is where I want to begin. I also have some issues with the play calling, but first, let's talk about Wilson. And the question I will ask is this, is it time to start worrying about the rookie quarterback? Let's be honest, except for a couple of touchdown drives in Carolina in week one, Wilson has been poor. He's the second lowest ranked quarterback in the NFL based on ESPN's QBR system. The silver lining is that two other rookies, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, are right there with him. And that has to be noted because you can't evaluate Wilson in a vacuum. Now, that said, there are some troubling signs. He looks indecisive at times. He's either not trusting his reads or not trusting his receivers to run their routes. And it's causing him to be out of rhythm. Perfect example. On the first interception Sunday, Corey Davis was open on a hook route. Wilson threw it late and it was picked off. Of the five sacks, I'd say two to two and a half were on Wilson for holding the ball too long. Statistically, the pass blocking, believe it or not, was not bad. For week three, the Jets' O-line ranked 14th in pass block win rate, which is an ESPN metric. I was stunned by Greg Van Roten's comments after the game. He basically said that this is the NFL and Wilson needs to learn that he can't hold the ball. And he also couched it by including the offensive line in that critique, saying, well, we have to do a better job protecting him. But I was still surprised that he noted Wilson's penchant for holding the ball too long. And it wasn't a slip of the tongue. GVR is a UPenn graduate. He's a smart dude. And he knew exactly what he was saying. And he wasn't wrong. So back to the original question. Is it time to start worrying about Wilson? And I say, no, I don't think so. You take a quarterback from BYU, a guy who played a soft schedule last year in college, and you make him a day one starter, you have to expect some struggles. Plus, he faced Belichick and Fangio coach defenses in back-to-back weeks, which is no easy task, and let's not lose sight of that. Where you should be worried is the situation he's in. He's not getting any help, and that's a dangerous situation. No running game, so he's facing too many obvious passing situations. They fall behind early, so he's being asked to bring him back. The Jets have been outscored in the first half of these games, 46-3. to They have yet to hold a lead. Now that's worrisome. I think back to what Robert Sala told Wilson on the phone the night they drafted him. Sala told him, and I'm paraphrasing, we're not expecting you to lift us up. The organization is going to lift you up. Well, that's not happening. The Jets are failing him. And if it keeps up, bad things are going to happen. The worst case scenario, obviously, is he gets injured. We're talking 25 quarterback hits in three games already. Another scenario is he gets skittish, gun shy, loses his mechanics, develops bad habits. Hey, it can happen. It will happen if he doesn't get more support. This is what the Jets signed up for. 
you knew there would be growing pains with a rookie starter. The problem is they didn't leave themselves an alternative. With no veteran backup on the roster, they're all in with Wilson. And I'll say it again, it's a dangerous game. And I hope, I really do hope they don't stunt his development like they did with Sam Darnold. Now, the play calling. In my opinion, Mike LaFleur did not have a good game. He didn't put Wilson in the best position to succeed. Now get this. The Jets ran 53 plays and 41 of them were pass plays. Now I know the game got away from them in the second half, but that is way too lopsided. Only 12 designed running plays? Are you kidding me? Second, where are the bootlegs? Wilson was outside the tackle box on only three of 40 dropbacks. And those came when he was escaping pressure. This offensive system is famous for its designed rollouts. And Wilson is known for playing on the move. And they turned him into a straight drop back passer. That bothers me. And lastly, where was the play action? The passing game is built off play action. And Lafleur called it only six times out of the 40 dropbacks. Now, it's hard to use play action when you don't run the ball. And that gets back to point number two. Look, I get it. LaFleur is new at this, and he will have growing pains too. But he has to put his quarterback in better positions. Period. End of story. We're doing something different this week. Instead of interviewing one guest, we're going to interview a few. I went out to the Joe Namath charity golf outing on Long Island and spoke to some Jet alums about the current state of the team, and also their take on Zach Wilson and some of his struggles. I think you're going to enjoy this. We're going to start off with the man himself, Joe Namath. Joe, you know from having played the position for so many years, quarterbacks are going to have good days, they're going to have bad days, and when you're young, sometimes you have to go through the growing process. Um, what advice would you have for Zach Wilson when he goes through some of those you know, tough time kind of days? First of all, we're going to feel the pain. He knows that. He, he feels it because if he didn't care how you played, you wouldn't even be there. So he cares. And uh, the video doesn't lie. The team bust chops with one another. And the, the guys know that they're not playing a perfect game. And uh, no one likes to throw interceptions. It stinks. Uh, you feel like you let everybody down. And uh, in fact, you... you actually cost game sometimes. I know I did. I was talking to John Schmidt earlier. He said you had a game in your rookie year against Buffalo where, where you threw a few picks or something. And then the Jerry Philbin might have made a joke about, hey, Joe, you know, let's throw it to the guys in green today or something like that. He said they kind of teased you in a fun kind of way. No, Is no, no. Philbin wasn't teasing me in a fun kind of way. He, he was a great defensive player, you know, and uh, he was a his personality, uh, getting to know Jerry, uh, I, I went the other way and dubbed him Mr. Personality. <laughs> but no, the fact of the matter is, uh, I think I threw five up there at Buffalo and three were run back, at least, maybe three for touchdown. And Vito Babe Pirelli, uh, uh, he was on the sidelines. I don't know if it was my rookie year or second year or whatever, but Vito uh, went over to Weaver and says, hey, coach, uh, you want me to give the kid a break? And Weeps said, hell no. He got his ass in it. Let him get his ass out of it. <laughs> it was a training thing. It was a learning thing. Uh, but it happens. And uh, 
sometimes the defense earns plays. Yeah. You know, they make good plays. So yeah. you just kind of just keep trying to play the perfect game. And I don't know anybody that's ever done it. Some guys probably came very close. I know I never did. You make a great point about Bay Perilli because he was a veteran, a very experienced guy to have there. And, and Zach does not have the guy behind him has no experience. So they really probably wouldn't pull Zach out of a game to give the veteran a chance. How do you feel about that? Because it looks like they're going to sink and sink or swim with Zach this year. Well, he's got some good coaches. I know Kavanaugh for a long time and uh, he, he used to be a quarterback too, uh, his pit days and all. And those coaches work uh I don't know. There, there, there are other important uh, professions in life, doctors and nurses and all that. But the coaches spend so many hours analyzing so many things. Uh, they're, they're confident in Zach. I know that. And his teammates are confident. He had a couple of passes he missed by inches. On, and uh, you look at it, guy threw four interceptions. You know, you, Yeah, but it's still a team game. I busted my butto and I, Greg Butto, if you remember him, you know, our great linebacker. I said, oh, by the way, how'd the defense do, too? <laughs> you know? Well, in the red zone, they did this, that. Well, sure, red zone, but what about? They, they need improvement across the board. Namath Center in Super Bowl three was John Smith, a lovely man, a great guy to be around, one of my favorites on the Super Bowl three team. And I... Brought up Zach Wilson, and, he, you know, we talked a little about the Wilson-Namath comparison. You know, he's trying to make something happen. You can't make it happen. you gotta, you got to just work at it and take your time and not try to force it. And he's trying to force it. You know, it's young. He wants, he wants to score a touchdown because he's young, you know. But he'll, he'll get it. You know, he's got, he's got the makings of it. He's got, we've still got to get some more protection for him. He's getting hit too much. He's getting hit too much, you know. Same thing, he got hit six times with the ball and eight times without the ball. So you want to, uh, you got to get him some protection. Back in the day when, Joe, I think Joe threw six in one game, how did you guys, when he was kind of a young stallion, like finding his way in the league, how, how did, what did you guys think when that happened to him? <laughs> Jerry Phil, Jerry Phil yelled out to Joe the next game, the, the game after that Buffalo game, he did, Joe, we're wearing green today. <laughs> and, uh, and that's that's how we handled it. Interviewing alums wouldn't be complete without including linebacker Greg Buttle, the outspoken ex-Jet, of course, is involved in coverage of the team nowadays. And, you know, we talked about Zach Wilson. He knows from experience, you know, sometimes quarterbacks, they go through stuff like this. So, Greg, you played in the league a long time. If you had a quarterback who, you know, a rookie quarterback, he's going to have some rough days, obviously, as part of the growing process. What veteran advice would you offer Zach Wilson? My veteran advice to offer Zach Wilson is to, to figure out a way to forget it and then move on. And And the hard part is moving on immediately following the interception because a lot of times you hear the boos. A lot of times it gets into your head and you're trying to say to yourself, why did I throw it there? Or I never saw the guy. But You've got to say, it's over. I've got to go to the next thing. It's almost like playing golf. I mean, all these pro golfers don't sit around and go, oh, woe was me. I just hit it in the water. No, they're thinking about the next shot. So that's what he has to do. But that's the key to golf. So that's why I'm so bad at golf. I'm always complaining about the ones I hit about in the water that I should be on to the next shot, right? That's exactly right. So like, okay, so you've played with quarterbacks who you played a long time. They had bad games, like, and the defense pitched a shutout and your quarterback screws it up because he throws a late pick. I mean, do you want to ring them up or how do you balance that as a veteran guy you know it's a funny thing it's like family it's like uh 
if I'm if I'm mad at my brother, I'm cursing him out. And I many times I've cursed Richard Todd as he's coming off the field and I'm going on the field. You go, hey, listen, we're in green. Throw it to the guys in green, will you? So a lot of those things do happen. Now, he, he wouldn't sit there and curse me out for missing a tackle. First of all, I didn't miss him. And second of all is that he's too busy trying to figure out what he's doing the next time. But uh, I, I, it's a thing where defensive guys just get together and they go, we got to help win the game. You, we, someone has to make a play. And that's what the, the, the huddle is. Someone make a play. And let's not do something stupid, but do it within the, the framework of what our defense is. How do you think the rest of the season goes for Zach Wilson? I think it, it goes up and down. And I would tell you, I think that he's going to hit a, a streak where he's going to throw no interceptions over a course of four or five games. And he may throw one after that. But when you see the kid play clean, I will tell you something. You can tell what's going to happen with this kid as a quarterback. As long as he's mentally fit and he doesn't get you know down on the things that happen poorly to him, I think he's going to turn out to be a fine quarterback. And a guy who, quite frankly, looks like he could still play for the Jets, and they need help at safety, by the way, is Victor Green. And love talking to Victor, one of the all-time greats in franchise history. And, you know, I wanted to change it up a little bit. I wanted to talk defense with Victor. What do you think of this young defense so far? You know, I I, I think it's going to be some growing pain. You know, they got some good talent on that, on that side of the ball, and I still think that they got to get that egg rusher. They got to get after the quarterback a little bit more. And, you know, I love the DBs, though. I think they're very feisty. Um, you know, losing the linebacker obviously helped hurt the defense. But, you know, I, I, I think – the Jets going to be okay. I, I love the coach, Coach Solomon. I think he's going to be a great motivator for that team. And, you know, they just got to get it together. The quarterback, I, yeah, I think everybody loves him. I think he's got a lot of swag. I think he's going to be okay. But I think he just got to settle in himself. And uh, I think he'll be okay. And lastly, if you were a veteran player on the team and, you, and your quarterback is young, had a rough day like that, what advice would you give to him? You know, just stay up, you know. I mean, he's, he's young. And, again, he's trying to figure out himself. And I just say, hey, man, we behind you. You know, we believe in you and you just got to continue to do the things you got to do to not make the mistakes that you make and uh, just protect the football. But we behind you. We believe in you. And let's go win some games. And it's Twitter time. Tons of questions from angry and concerned Jets fans. Hopefully I have some answers because these are good questions. And we're starting it off with at sports underscore FI3ND. Where's the tempo with this offense? How does LaFleur not place more pre-snap motion and screens into the offense to get the ball out quicker? Well, let's let's break that down part by part, sports. Actually, they did use a lot of motion. It may not have seemed that way, but they do and have, have done it consistently. In fact, 38 out of the 53 plays on Sunday had some form of motion. They rank fourth in the league in terms of total plays using some form of motion. They have yet to score on one of those plays. They're the only team in the league that hasn't scored on a motion play. That's another story. But you're right about the screen passes. And I was saying this during the game in the press box. Throw some screens for crying out loud. Get the ball out. Get a chance. Give a playmaker a chance to do something with the ball. Uh, They got to do some stuff with that, as I addressed earlier with Lafleur. Next one from at boygreen25. There were reports this week that the Jets turned away multiple trade calls for Denzel Mims because they believe in his future. If they aren't going to play him and won't trade him, is he cryogenically frozen until 2022 when Cole and Crowder inevitably leave? Well, this is a funny question by Paul, but actually a serious question as well. 
This could be the week. Let me say that again. This could be the week that Denzel Mims plays. You got Elijah Moore with a concussion. I don't expect him to play. You got Jamison Crowder with his groin injury, which seems like it's been going on since, uh, you know, since <laughs> since the beginning of trading camp, for crying out loud. But uh, so, yes, Robert Sala said Monday, this could be the week Mims gets in. This is going to be a pivotal week in the Mims drama for a lot of reasons. This is crunch time. I can't get into them all right now. Uh, I will say this. I reported two weeks ago that teams were interested in trading for Mims. And then you're referring to the NFL network over the weekend saying that they're turning away trade calls. I think there's a better chance of him being traded in the offseason than now. But let's keep an eye on this situation. I think the Denver Broncos would love to have Mims. They just lost KJ Hamler for the season on Sunday with an ACL. Jerry Judy is going to be out several more weeks. They are hurting at wide receiver. They're a 3 and 0 team. Watch Mims and Denver. Watch Mims in Carolina. His old coach is there, Matt Rule, his college coach. Watch those teams. This is going to be a, an evolving story over the next few weeks. So let's see here. The next question comes from at uh, at Ryan underscore O'Neill. And Ryan wonders, do you think the Jets should bring in a veteran offensive consultant to assist LaFleur? Ryan, they have that guy, Matt Cavanaugh. He was hired to replace the late Greg Knapp. He comes in with a ton of experience. He's been around the league. That's what he's doing. Now, you may not like the job he's doing. And frankly, they're not. none of them on offense are doing a good job, but they have that guy. At Bob D. Mulligan, what do we think of Joe Douglas's college evaluations? The 2020 draft is looking like a bit of a dud, and 21 hasn't gotten off to a good start. Well, I think it's too early to evaluate the 21 draft, but my early impressions are very favorable. I think that'll be a good draft. Uh, 2020 is fair game. Doesn't look good right now. I think the way you evaluate a draft is like how many guys get second contracts with the team. And right now, I mean, how many of those guys of the nine in 2020, can you say with a reasonably optimistic tone that could get a, a second contract? I say Makai Becton and the punter, Braden Mann. Other than that, no. I mean, the Mims situation, we've been through that. Zuniga's a bust. Pirine's a healthy scratch. Morgan was cut. Ashton Davis is eligible to come off IR this week. He'll be back, I think, soon. But to me, he's not a special player. Clark was slow developing, and now he's hurt for the year. So I think you may only get two long-term players out of that draft, Becton and Mann, and Mann's a punter. So no, that draft does not look good right now. Next one from at the Nolan Rich. Will Greg Van Roten be replaced with Dan Feeney? I do not see that happening. Van Roten is not doing well. Statistically, we have all the metrics. He's not doing well. But Dan Feeney is not a good player. I can't believe the Jets gave him $3 million guaranteed. He had a bad year for the Chargers last year. He had a bad preseason for the Jets. If you see him playing, it's strictly emergency slash desperation. Next one from at Komorowski Bob. At Komorowski Bob. Uh, and Como asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the level of concern that Wilson can't throw the ball at this level? On Sunday, how many times did you see him short arm the ball and spike it at a receiver's feet? I thought arm strength was a plus for him. Uh, Como, you're wrong on this one. Uh, arm strength is a plus for him. That is the least of the Jets' concerns. The problem is knowing where to throw it and when to throw it. But in terms of pure arm talent, 
he's got that on a scale of one to 10. I'd say he's a nine something. So don't worry about the arm strength. Just worry about the other stuff, the intangible type things. Next, at PMAC 0603, Mac. Michael Carter is a star in the making. When will the Jets see this and commit to him and become the feature back? He has better vision and hands than Ty Johnson. Well, I'm going to take issue with a couple of points there, Pete. Number one, you know, you, you talk about Carter's hands. He had a crucial drop in the in the Denver game on that pass over the middle. He said he should have caught it. He That would have been a field position changing play. He might have gone to the house on that one. He dropped that ball. Uh, I do agree that he has better vision than Johnson. I think he's a better, pure running back than Ty Johnson. Neither one of them can block. You saw them both contribute to sacks over the weekend. They have blocking issues. Everyone used to make fun of Frank Gore last year because he was like 95 years old. But at least he know he knew how to block and he knew who to block. The Jets have an issue there. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a feature back this year. I think it's going to continue to be cut by committee. But if you're interested in fantasy, I think Carter will continue to get maybe 10 to 15 touches per week. I don't see him becoming the clear-cut number one. Well, the Jets play the Titans on Sunday at MetLife, and I'm sorry, when I think of Tennessee, I think back to a game in 1998. There's a funny story here. So they're playing in Nashville. The game's actually at Vanderbilt University, their old stadium, because the Titans stadium was being built. And so 98, obviously, was a great year for the Jets. And they go into that game, and they were 6-4. and They were coming off a bad loss to the Colts. And they're in this 3-3 game into the third quarter. And I turned to one of my colleagues in the press box and I said, kind of in the tone that I'm speaking to you now about this loud, I said, the Jets are going to lose this game. And so they go on to win actually 24 to three and, you know, they win going away. And the next day in the press conference, Bill Parcells, without using, well, actually he did use my name as I remember it. He turns to me in the press conference in front of a full room and said, with 7.30 something in the third quarter, you turned to Bob Glauber of Newsday and said, we're going to lose the game. And I was like, what? And I quickly, and that's exactly what happened. And I looked at my notes and that was the exact time that I said that. And I was a little creeped out by it. I had no defense for it because I'm thinking ourselves, I go, I know he knows a lot of stuff and knows a lot of people, but how is he eavesdropping on my conversation in the press box? And it really bothered me for about 24 hours. And then I realized how he knew someone sitting behind me in the Jets front office, and I won't use his name because I didn't think it was an appropriate thing to do. He actually told Parcells after the game, Samini was making fun of you. He said, you guys were going to lose. And Bill's had a few laughs at my expense the next day in the press conference. So... That one freaked me out a little. And of course, the Jets win, and they start a seven-game winning streak to go all the way to the AFC Championship game. But that's what I think of when I think of Tennessee. I think of that instant in the press box. This is a totally different situation. The Jets are are fighting for dear life here. They're 0-3. I do think they will be competitive in this game. I think Tennessee is overrated. They are 2-1, and but they play in the worst division in the NFL. Tannehill is not off to a great start. A.J. Brown is not going to play. He's week to week with a hamstring injury. Julio Jones has not been as advertised. He is averaging 17 yards a catch, but he has not scored a touchdown. 
But Derrick Henry is great. He is a great football player. He, on a bad day, he rushes for 100 yards. He's also effective out of the backfield, something the Jets are going to have to be on the lookout for. So despite the slow start by Tannehill, Hill, and Jones, and despite the fact that Tennessee's defense, quite frankly, is not very impressive, they're 15th in total defense, 25th in points allowed. I think Tennessee is going to win this game for a couple of reasons. A lot of Derrick Henry, and then one or two long plays over the top on play action that will that will hurt hurt the Jets. And also the fact that the Jets, how are they going to win the game? They're not doing anything really well at this particular moment. I'd say they could win it with defense, but their defense doesn't take the ball away. And so that's how they're going to have to win this game. They're going to have to win it with turnovers, and they have no turnovers, no takeaways on defense. So I don't know how the Jets would win this game. So I'm going to pick a close, ugly win for Tennessee here. I like the Titans, 20-15. to 15. The Jets dropped to 0-4 for the second time in three years. That's the sad truth right now, folks. But thank you for listening to Flight Deck. I want to thank everyone from the golf tournament. Brooks and Linda Thomas, you know, who ran a great show at the tournament for helping me and Joe Namath and John Schmidt and Victor Green and Greg Buttle for coming on the podcast. And of course, I want to thank my producer, Jeff Scopin. We'll talk to you next week on Flight Deck.